It's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode with Craig Rowan. I am uh, joined on my couch by Seth Reese. How are you? Doing very well, Craig. Thanks for having me. Seth is the head writer of The Onion, the satirical newspaper. Yes, and uh, website. And website and TV show. And We're me- it's, it, a me- it's a media empire. It's a media empire. It's only yeah. getting bigger, and it's only going to uh, infuse itself in our lives more and more. Hopefully. It's the Google of newspapers. That's that. If you type in the in Google, sometimes it'll, the search results will, ye- will yield the onion. Are you always typing in the? I just kind of check. Sometimes the New York Times will come up, and I get a little upset. <laughs> so I don't know how it changes where they you know, take over one another, but... Hopefully, as long as it's not dictionary.com that comes up whenever you type in the. The dictionary.com. The, yeah. Or the Bulls. It's, <laughs> that's the, the. It's, it's the 1996 Bulls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> three-peat. <laughs> it's the three-peat or the 1996 yeah. Bulls. Um, so Seth is here. You also might know Seth is the creator of the Matt Alby Twitter account. That's right. Matt Alby 60. Matt Alby 60. And uh, if you're unaware, Matt Alby is uh, one of the main characters on Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Right. He is the Matthew Perry character. He's the head writer of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Um, and about probably about eight months ago, uh, I created with uh, my, my, my buddy of mine named Mike Desenzo. We were eating dinner and Mike was urging me to get on Twitter. And I said, I don't want to be on Twitter. I think I'll be pretty annoying on Twitter. Which and I agree I, and, with. And I, I legitimately believe that. <laughs> it's not just a self-deprecating. I do think I would be annoying on it. And so, but then we started laughing about the, Matt Albee. And because we both watched Studio 60 religiously, we both were in the camp of people hoping that it would be an amazing show. And then slowly realizing that it was one of the most terrible television programs. <laughs> but you know, we like you know, it's about episode sixteen, and we're like, yeah, it's. Uh, and then <laughs> they're like, actually, I think it might be horrible. Yeah, um, it took you sixteen episodes. <laughs> well, no, it's like it just slowly deteriorated. But we wanted to convince <laughs> ourselves. Everybody did. But the staff at the Onion, who I, I think has really great taste. We convinced ourselves that but the pilot was really good. Like the Gilbert and Sullivan thing happens at the end of the pilot, which is should be an indicator that this is going to be bad. Right, which overall. is that they sing a uh, Gilbert and Sullivan par- parody about how they're basically going to make you laugh. Right, right? and well, the, and the be- and the best part is it's set up by saying by Matt Albee's character saying, "Who do you think of when you think of sla- <laughs> right. like slapstick?" Right. And and the Rob Corddry character. Uh, you mean Nate, Nate Corddry? Nate, yeah, the Nate Corddry character says, um, "Oh, he's he says some like old old name like some old like, old guy, like pre Fatty Arbuckle." Yeah, like old old. Instead of saying like you know Belushi or something like right, that, right. they they say some like old old comedy historian. Like so, it's just, the show is already taking itself so seriously. Right. But anyway, that that first episode happens that Gilbert and Sullivan thing, which is it's just terrible. I am the modern. Of a of a modern major men like, I am a I am a something of a modern major modern network TV show. <laughs> right, I am the model. I am the model of a major. I forget. So anyway, um, so. at the staff of the Onion, we convinced ourselves that it was a really good program, and but then we all slowly realized that it was terrible, and you know, but my, Mike and I, we 
we started to joke around about a Matt Albee Twitter account. Four years after the show got taken off. Five years. Five years after the show because got taken it's off. Because it still le- it still has this like lasting impact with us. Right. Because of you know it 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 for a comedy writer it creates this world that you you imagine you any comedy writer dreams of writing for Saturday Night Live. Sure. So it it it's kind of like a behind the scenes. Look, it's Saturday Night Live. Right. And so it just like leaves this lasting impact with you. It, there's no, it, it could have been the worst television show. It, it, was, it was one of the worst television shows of all time. <laughs> it could have still, was. But it's still, you picture yourself there in it, going back and forth, quipping back and forth. And, and then you realize, oh my God, I would be terribly annoying if I had this job. Yeah. I'd be an annoying asshole. <laughs> um, and and that, you might get arrested on, <laughs> right. in Nevada somewhere right. and have it's, the whole well, cast. It's, it's go- Pahrumpf, Pahrumpf, Nevada. Oh, yeah, Pahrumpf. Pahrumpf, Nevada. But by the way, Aaron Sorkin uses that like stupid town name and everything he's ever Pahrumpf. done. Yeah, because in, in uh, the West Wing, he also does a, a dumb town name. And, and all the all the intelligentsia are like, oh, that's a weird name. <laughs> um, so anyway... Uh, we were laughing about starting this Twitter account, and I was like, you know what? It's hilarious. I love it. Let's do it. So I had never used Twitter before. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter as myself. Um, and we went back to Mike's apartment. I I created the account. Mike showed me how to use uh, to capture an image off of Google Image Search to for my for my picture. <laughs> and basically, what happened was I did about 20 tweets over the week weekend, and then on Monday morning, Mike. Uh, Desenzo, who uh, who does have uh, a sort of a popular Twitter account, he has like nearly ten thousand followers. He's a point. writer on Late Night, writer for Jimmy Fallon, and he's and he used to write with me at the Onion, and and we went to college together actually. So um, he tweeted out, "Hey, Matt, the head writer of Studio Sixty, Matt Albee, has joined Twitter," <laughs> and from there it just kind of it exploded, but. In the way it was supposed to explode, it exploded by not ten thousand people following it, but like kind of everybody who felt the same way about Studio right. Sixty as I did, they started to follow well, it. Well, the cool thing that I think too is, um, and uh, is that you got p- other people got involved. That yes, th- other yeah. other Twitter accounts popped up. Right. So so all of a sudden, I'm you know I'm I'm in the midst of this. People are following me, and I'm tweeting out stuff, and then suddenly. It's like you know, I get hey at Matt Albee, um, see you and uh, see you at pitch meeting, and it's at Danny Tripp. Right, and you didn't plan it. it just right, and for the people who are listening, to this Danny Tripp is Matt Albee's close friend on the show. He's the executive producer of Studio Sixty and former cocaine addict. former cocaine addict. They both do drugs. You know, they have they're both Aaron Sorkin. So um, Matt, so I'm like, oh God, I didn't expect that. Mike Desenzo sends me an email. He's like, you have to follow him. Right, right. And I was like, oh, okay. So I follow I followed him and then we start going back and forth and just tweeting as if Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip, the sketch comedy show, is still going. So and in that you've gone you've you went to Abbottabad. That's right. You've that gone, was, you've you've had your own storylines almost. Right. Well. After Osama bin Laden was killed, uh, we tweeted a live show from Abbottabad, Pakistan, from the compound that Osama bin Laden was shot. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and um that's like I think that's one of that's been one of the most fun things about this Twitter experience is that I tweeted out we are going to Abbottabad, Pakistan because NBS wants a cool hip way to make fun of NBS is the network that Studio 60 right. is on. NBS wants a cool hip way to make fun of Osama bin Laden's death. We're going to we're filming live from Abbottabad. I I tweeted out 
and everybody who created fake Studio 60 Twitter characters, they're all on board. That's so and good. we and, and it was just like this weird improv, impro- improv, I guess. Um, and twitprov, and we're going to... Twitprov. That's our... I guess. We just copyrighted co- by Craig Rowan. And that was cool. And then one week we did a flashback. Uh, we did. We oh did, yes, we did yes. a flat. And, and, and the image that you changed has you with like a backwards uh, Matt well, Albee with it, a backwards. Interestingly enough, in the episode that we're gonna watch, which is the Friday Night Slaughter, we're gonna watch this episode. This is one that goes back in time where my character. I think in this episode we kind of see how he becomes involved with Harriet Hayes. Right. So who, so that's a great transition. So right now. Um, as always on It's That Episode, uh, my guest has chosen an episode of any TV show that they'd like to watch, and we're going to watch... Uh, <laughs> an alphabetic. An alphabetic. <laughs> that, that it's an, the Friday Night Slaughter of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, a TV show that lasted one season. Yeah. Um, it was either this, or I wanted to watch the last episode with Ma- of MASH. Um, <laughs> right. And you picked the right one. One of the biggest television events Goodbye. ever, or a silent whimper into the night. Uh, so this is... So we're watching the episode Friday Night Slaughter, and right. why don't you just um, so, so we're, we'll watch it. Why did you choose this this episode? Well, that, you know what? If anybody was keeping track of this show, I think which no one was. Well, not you just. know, I, I, you know, everybody had such high hopes for this show. Sure, this was the show of behind the scenes sketch comedy that was supposed to just destroy and kill Thirty Rock. You right, know, and they came out right, right at the, at the same, same time. time. So. If anybody was watching all the episodes up until this one, by the end of this episode, they knew that this show was not very good. Right. right. But they knew that this show was bad. Um, because I don't want to spoil it, but maybe I can. I don't. I don't know the format. I think of... let's um, let's spoil it afterwards. After we watch it, we'll okay. sp- we'll completely um, spoil it. Um, so yeah, it's at it's the, end the of device this, that they use is the de- so it's so bad. Right. And you know the the I. I I'm I'm now like starting to watch The West Wing more, um, and this device is used in The West Wing. It's not as it's actually just as bad, but because they're all working for the president of the United States, it's like still more interesting. Yeah, just spoil it. Who cares? <laughs> well, at the end of the episode, basically this whole episode, Matt Albee, my character, you're going I back love that in you time. You say your character. Yeah. Too. It's like- <laughs> Like as if That's you, sick. Not only on Twitter, but you played this right. on TV. The, the, you're, my character, you're Matthew Perry. My character uh, <laughs> is basically we 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 meet him in this character. He started to do pills. He started to take pills. Now right. he, you know, he's there's a lot of pressure on him. He fired the whole writing staff. There's basically only three people writing the show, which would never happen on a TV show. Never in a million years, and he's the only one writing it, and. He's taking pills, and this is a flashback episode where, you know, he we see he's he's how he meets with Harriet Hayes and how he starts to write for her basically, but throughout the part of the episode that takes place in the present, he keeps on asking people, "Hey, do you remember a writer here named Tim Batali? Tim Batali, do you remember him?" And then when we flash back, we see Tim Batali. You know, and and he's and then in the present, Matt Albee's like, I can't believe you guys don't know Tim Batali. You know, and then at the end of the episode, uh, Matt Albee looks at. He's in the present. Matt Albee looks at looks at one of the staff photos the from nineteen crew. from like nineteen ninety six or something, nineteen ninety nine. I think it is nineteen ninety nine, and he notices that. In the flashback. He was actually 
Tim Batali. He realizes that because Tim Batali in the flashback gets fired for doing drugs, taking pills. Mm -hmm. He realizes that he is Tim Batali. So Tim Batali is an anagram for Matt Albin, which is so dumb. Any amateur sleuth would (laughs) realize that Tim Batali is Matt Albin in an anagram. And anybody who watched this episode and was like, oh my God, that's amazing, should die. (laughs) (laughs) And and everybody else was like, oh, this is a bad program. Yeah. But the the writers, this is brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Of the show. Because the The bad thing is when you use a device like that, you know that the writer or Aaron Sorkin thought, this is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to blow some minds. Yeah. Tim Batali. And you know what? He probably put into a program the name and was like, Tim Patelli is perfect. Oh, it's perfect. It makes sense. All right. So, there so, we go. So, we're going to watch that episode, um, and uh, we'll be back. Enjoy it if you're watching along. Studio. Okay, we just uh, we just shut off uh, Friday Night Slaughter. I'm sure that everyone listening to this watched the episode. You you must have watched the episode. And you are now just completely. Your minds are blown. You're you're affected. You're deeply affected. The last twenty seconds of that episode was just me rethinking everything I've ever thought. I mean, what can what what what's similar? The Sixth Sense. Uh huh. Sixth um, Sense. Unbreakable. Any M Night Shyamalan. Unbreakable. Uh, I mean, every episode of Studio 60 just leaves you like that. Beautiful. Beauty, Beautiful. Beauty and just, one of it's the, like the, your wind, the wind has been taken out of you. The end also, the wind is beneath your wings. That's right. <laughs> he, the, <laughs> he's Tim Batali. He's Tim Batali. Yeah. And if you, oh God, I just love, I love that, uh, just to talk about the drugs for one second yeah. about this. In this episode, he's getting back into drugs. Right. And the musician who's the guest just, Gives him drugs. <laughs> Gives him <laughs> drugs, and you brought up the fact that she says, you know what they are. It's like, yes, he knows yeah, that they're he says, drugs. She, he hands, she hands him pills. She, he says, what are these? And he goes, she goes, you know what they are. But it's like, does he? Does he know those that, <laughs> that specific well, that's, you know, drugs? That's, that, that's another, that's a Sorkin thing that happens a lot. Like, you know. You know that I know. I know that you know. Everyone knows. Everyone's Everybody. so cool and hip, and they all know what's going on without... It, in Aaron Sorkin's world, nobody has to say anything because everybody already knows. Right, we're all everybody this, knows every, Everybody knows the best play is this play <laughs> that nobody knows who's watching it. Like yeah. nobody, like they mentioned everybody, stuff. Everybody, everybody knows. Everybody knows it. Um, but you turned to me during the episode and you said, "I want the, everybody to make, understand that I love this show." <laughs> That's right. I mean, I do. As I, much as you talk trash, you love. You I love do. It. I do love this show. It's a terrible show. Right. It's a, it's an awful show, but I love it because it's. You know, it, like we talked about earlier, you know, when you're younger, the first thing you, when you're younger and you're into comedy, the first thing you laugh at is Saturday Night Live. And you want, and, and this is a v- depiction of it, and you want to imagine that everyone there is kind of like hip and cool and, and quipping back and forth. And, and so it's like ear candy. The right. show is eye candy and ear candy. And I... <sighs> And I do, in a weird way, I could, even though I hate the show, and I've pro- I, I have probably watched it all the way through 
five or six times. You said you you paused during the during the show. We were just watching. You paused at something a little snippet of dialogue that barely was a piece of dialogue, and you said, "Put this, rewind it." I've watched this four or five times, and look at how mean Danny <laughs> yeah. Tripp is. Well, in if, if, if anybody did actually watch the show before Danny Tripp exits the Matt's office, you know. Cal Shanley, the director, uh, uh, you know, he says, go get her, big guy. And Danny Tripp says, you know what I told you to shut up? I want you to keep shutting up until I tell you not to shut up. And I always, every time I've watched the episode, I just found that so mean. Yeah, he's That's like very... not a necessary bit of dialogue at all. It's like, go get him, guy. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> you. So mean. You're not my friend. <laughs> um, but I think uh, Bradley Whitford... Is very good. I think Matthew well, Perry is a good actor. So the, we were t- sort of talked about this while watching it, but it's like the show. It's what my thing is with it. It's like it looks really good. Right. All the shots are really cool. Yeah. It's like West Wing. I mean, it's yes. like it's the formula. Everything is, is slightly golden. Exactly, and a little dark. And well, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, at least in 1999, and we'll talk about oh, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's 1999. If you didn't know, because Eagle Eye Cherry is playing, it's 1999. It's like, it's like there's somebody with a sledgehammer with Eagle Eye, Eagle Eye Cherry on the, the sledgehammer and just hitting the floor as hard. <laughs> it is 1999. Yeah. They, they are very... They if you, if you weren't alive in 1999, you know exactly what 1999 was, like. was like. And it was a lot of people saying it was 1999. <laughs> yeah, and everyone was talking about Heidi Fleiss. Um, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Heidi Fleiss getting out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I sort of lost my train of thought, but I was saying that, um, oh, yeah, it's like in the West Wing, it's politics are super important. Right. Everybody treats it as really important. But with comedy, it's so hard to show people taking comedy seriously because – because like, nobody else cares. Nobody else cares. Like when you're working at the Onion, for instance, you guys are probably talking over things and you have serious discussions about it. But it's not like this is good. This is important. Sixty-eight percent of Christian people believe in you know, like. It's, well, yeah. I mean, I th- so at the at the Onion, I mean, there's constant parsing of every single joke, and we probably do take ourselves very seriously. I know with the Twitter account that some of the joke tweets I have. Written mm-hmm. as like look, as the the joke is basically like how annoying he's taking himself so seriously. I have said some of those things <laughs> okay. that are in the Twitter account seriously. Wait, what's one of to, the ones that you've said? Oh God, I, I I don't I don't know, but just like just like stuff I don't know, like this needs to pop better, like just right, like right, right. annoying shit right, like right. that. I've definitely said in real life. Sure, but the problem is normal people. <laughs> Normal people, good decent people, good decent Americans don't give a shit right about the. Th- I mean, it's a niche. It's a niche audience that really cares about the craft of what go- of what goes into creating comedy. That's not to say that uh, a broad audience doesn't care about the work that goes into something. I think a broad amount of people do care about anybody's work because they like to hear about other people's jobs whether you're a comedy writer or whether you're a real estate agent you like to hear about what people do and what how, their genuine interests and are their, too and right, like the the me- mechanics and the mechanics it. behind it i think that is very interesting but as soon as you elevate your profession to something more important than anything people start to think ah shut the hell up right and, and this and this and this show is if if somebody wanted to 
watch this show and say, shut the hell up, they would be correct in wanting the person to shut the hell up. <laughs> right, right. And and I think it's also the juxtaposition that it's like, this is super important, super important. And then when you actually hear specifics about sketches, you're like, this is not comedy. No, like, like no. Every, the names, like, let's just name a couple sketch names. The, there's Singing Teacher. Singing Teacher, Dolphin Girl. Dolphin Girl. Uh, Crazy Christians, Crazy the Christians. famous one. There's, uh, there's Pimp My Trike. <laughs> which is the Simon Stiles sketch that we don't see in this episode. There's the Nicolas Cage show, the Juliet Lewis show, uh, right? Or uh, um, and so and like, oh, I mean, it's all. But the thing is, the the premise of the show is flawed initially, because they bring Matt and Danny back to revive the show because they are comedic geniuses. But all it is is. A regular sketch comedy show. Right. There's nothing interesting or new about it. It's just a normal sketch comedy show. So are they that good? Are they great comedic geniuses? Yeah, like in this world, are people like, well, Studio 60, like, we got to watch this. We got to see what's happening in right. the world. We got to get up to date on the hippest shit possible. <laughs> right. And that, and they, and at one point, um, Matt says to the, not in this episode, but to another, to the writer's room, he tells them to look nice, to dress nicer, because he's like, we are supposed to s- set the standard of what is hip and cool, and coming to work... And there's and nothing look- more hip and cool than dress codes. Yeah, not <laughs> dress codes. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. So uh, and But this- I will say, just sorry, really, for Craig, to interrupt you. No, if, no, if, no, no, if no. Somebody, if somebody came to the Onion office and watched us do our thing... I'm sure people would say, take it easy, guys. Sure. For crying out loud. You know, but ultimately, the hopefully the product is good and all that annoying talk that a lot of people would find annoying that we're not broadcasting to a national audience ultimately, hopefully, makes a good product, but probably not the best drama. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that as intense as it gets at The Onion, it's not... Um like I can't the the inner workings of Studio Sixty is so over dramatic. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I mean the the like there was a point in the episode where they're talking about he's talking about Christianity, and she's Christian, and then you just turn and you went culture wars like <laughs> like that's not exist. I mean like no. Even, th- no. there's no way that people are really um, like at each other's necks like. You know th- th- this person's beliefs. You know, and, th- and I know it's a good joke, but their beliefs. You know, and that's actually one uh, one thing about this show and about they're taking their comedy seriously. They're they want to make a point. They want to make a point. Whereas if you talk to anybody, anybody who does any type of satire, they'll say the we had you have to be funny first. Sure, you have to be funny first. It's best when it's funny and it makes a really good point. Um, but Sometimes on this, sh- and the best part, the be- even if they are trying to make a point, then you see what the sketches they're showing, which is the Nicolas Cage show. Right. So it's exactly. like, what are what are your goals <laughs> yeah, with this exactly. with this sketch comedy program? What is your mission statement? Doing a seriously good Nicolas Cage impression. <laughs> that's, impression. That's, that's my point. That's my main goal. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about uh, 1999. Yeah, uh, yeah. For a second, the, these are some. How old were you in 1999? In 1999, I think we're. I was in ninth grade. So I I was 16 years old in 1999. So. So I can't do math, grade. but I was. Uh, well, maybe we were not. I was born in 1983. I was born in 1984. Okay, so I was in 10th grade. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how were you doing in school that year? I was doing very well. I was a straight A student in school. 
Oh wow, it was very accomplished. I was uh, sort of like a B B B B plus average. Yeah, I got no, I got I didn't put A's. I didn't I didn't really I f- I didn't focus as much as I could have. I feel like I could have been an A. I got student. a straight A's. I was straight A's. Were you? Uh, I made all A's. Made all A's, and was it all work? Did you put a lot of work into it? No, there was some. There was there was probably a bit of cheating that any high school person does. <laughs> any high school student. Was, <laughs> were you a good student? No, it was mostly cheating. <laughs> I'm sure there was some cheating. It was like ninety percent uh, cheating. You know, the first period class takes takes the Spanish test, and suddenly by eighth period, everyone already knows the answer. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, questions. that's like the that's that's high school. Yeah. Um, I like just a couple of things I'll point out that I liked in this episode was um, well, what you said at one point was that they bring up the um, here's a good example and a bad example of the writing that is amazing yet bad. Yeah, okay. It's like you said at the, uh, in this episode, you learn the premise for Crazy Christians. Right, which, which is, is a cool an, touch. Which is a which is a sketch that was mentioned pretty much since the first episode. Right, and this is like the fifteenth episode. And now, and now you finally know what that sketch is about. That's a cool touch. Right. I mean, and then on the alternate side of that is Matt Albee's walking in 1999. He sees a tennis ball on a banister. <laughs> he picks it up, looks at it, and is like, huh, bounces it. And then you realize like that's where he got the habit of bouncing a right. tennis ball. And, and, also, and also another instance of, I mean, bad writing. It's like somebody sat down before the writing of this episode, Aaron Sorkin, and said, when I'm, every time a door closes, smash cut to 1999. Boom. Anytime there's any sort of darkness... We'll, we'll smash cut to 1999. Ugh. And and every, we probably already touched this, but every time it hits 1999, either a specific song from 99, either from right. Smash Mouth, Eagle Eye Cherry, or I think the Goo Goo Dolls, or a news story like Y2K or right. about the Mars probe. He does, He I mean, he, he uses music, like in the social network, right when it starts, uh, uh, I think the White Stripes Ball and a Biscuit is playing. Just to let you know, this is like and early two thousand, like early middle two thousands. You know, he must have something for white stripes too, because he mentioned, mentioned white stripes mentioned in this episode. And in the episode, he mentions that there was a reference to another episode of white stripes. Yeah, I mean, ugh. right to the to the second episode, I believe, when the white. I think the Perumph Nevada episodes, the white stripes cancel. There's so much chaos. Um, what when you are? Do you have the equivalent of a board, at, like their board at the um, at the Onion? Do you have? Because their board is the most important thing. Yeah, we have, we have, we definitely have a board. And have you ever said the words "stick a pin in it"? Or we don't stick pins. We write everything up in uh, dry erase. It's a dry erase. And dry board, erase so board. And harder. is it a, is it a um, dramatic thing when you like wipe something off the board, or is it? Uh, do p- people must get? I mean, in this show, you see two of the uh, right. uh, Nate. Uh, Cordry and yes. the other character waiting outside. Did my stuff there? Get on? There is a level of excitement. There is a level of excitement when a headline you pitch does get put up on the board to be a full story. I I will. Yes. Well, I can is. even attest to that too because I you were a contributor I to were, the Onion for I a little while. I was a contributor for a while, and when I'd get anything on, I'd get super excited. And then when it was a full story, right, uh, it would make me very very happy. Especially the ones one of the stories which you wrote, right, which was um, about 
the TV show Sliders. <laughs> right, right. I thought it was really funny headline. <laughs> we're, just, we're not gonna we're not gonna say what that headline was. Google Sliders the Onion, and it'll come up. Because that's probably the only uh, Onion headline about Sliders. That's right, and I think it's really funny. Um, but yeah, so there is an excitement, and there, I guess there there probably is an element of that drama, but on a much smaller or like not as uh, you're not all addicted to pills and stuff. Right, right. It's you know it's it's nice when something that you do and that you're creatively passionate passionate about gets the kind of it gains legitimacy or something when your your colleagues all agree that the onion process is a lot more collaborative there's probably about you know seven of us in the room all going through it's not so you don't fire everybody and write the whole paper yourself no no that that would never that is not that's not possible (laughs) not possible that's not human it's not humanly possible Yeah. I, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would it would almost be you could almost call it unrealistic. Hmm, yeah, I guess you could. Say, I guess you could say <laughs> and that. And probably not something you should write down and put on a television program. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um. So with uh, your Matt Albee, um, Twitter, you it had been anonymous for a while. That's right. It was yeah. It was anonymous for probably like the first eight months or so, and then. My Mike Mike Desenzo, who we talked about earlier, he's a, he's a big. He he didn't get why I thought it was best anonymous. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he did get it, but he probably thought I took it too seriously. I always just felt that if people were into this Twitter account, they would like the fact that it lacked a face. They wanted it to just be this Matthew Perry headshot, and. And so I kept it anonymous for a while, and I had—I mean, I had chances to for it not to be anonymous. And then the New York Times wanted to write an article, and Mike told the New York Times reporter, "I know who does this account. You should talk to him." And she emailed me. Her name is Megan Angelo. She emailed me, and I was like, "You know what? I don't know. I've kept it anonymous for a while. I think I might want to keep it anonymous." I sent that email, and then I was like, "Yeah, I'll, you know what? I'll be a part of the article." <laughs> it's <laughs> right, New York right. Times. I mean, what you know? It's the, it's the Times. Yeah, it's New York Times. So. Figured, why not? Um, and have you found that there's been <clears throat> have uh, there been a different response since that's been? Up? I no, mean, there've been more articles, and there's been. Uh, I mean, it's been on a uh, a lot of like top ten Twitter accounts. Of yeah, like thing. Buzzfeed. Uh, Buzzfeed, which Buzzfeed did something. Uh, no, nobody really cared. <laughs> <laughs> It was just in your head. It was, it was the head. the importance of Studio 60. It was yep. like the exact same yep. thing. Nobody really gave a shit. Yeah, exactly. So, you know. Um, just a little lesson in, uh, in that. Yeah, nobody nobody cared. So, there you go. I cared. Well, I sent you an email that said you copped out. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I copped, no, no, I, copped I totally understand yeah. um, it, bo- both sides of it. My side and your side. Sure. We're in a fight now. Isn't this, I mean, do you like, I have a question for you. Do you like Aaron Sorkin's writing? Do I like his writing? Well, yeah. I mean, there's something about it that is very attractive. Like it yes. is very slick. There is it. You, you, it's like how TV should be. You know, like there's part of it that's like this is right. what TV is. Everything is important. <laughs> but but there is something that's you're like, come on. Yeah. You know, it's it I, goes both ways. I the one thing that's interesting about his writing, he does it. His style is such that nobody can write like it now. Sure, because totally. if somebody writes like it, they're like, oh, you're just doing you an Aaron Sorkin impression. Yeah. Or imitation. And that's not you're not being original. And the the quick back and forth, the pro okay, here's the problem with his writing. It's designed 
for actors who are acting as if they're being filmed mm-hmm. for, yes. for, a tel- for a television show. Yes. Yeah. They're not designed for people to act real. Right. His writing isn't designed for people to act like real human beings. They're designed for people to act cool as if they're being filmed and that people will then watch them. Yes. That's, <laughs> yes. That, yes. That, that's, the ba- that's the bad part of his writing. But there was a, uh, there's a part in this episode that I turned to you and it's like, I, th- I think that's a really nice touching moment where and Danny Tripp is holding the pregnant belly. Yeah, Danny Tripp holds the pregnant belly of Jordan McDear and says this voice is authoritative. This that's a cool original moment. You didn't expect it. And I and I I do think that's kind of indicative. The reason I like the West Wing isn't because of the the pitter patter. I like it because of the moments. Mm-hmm. And it's when, when the, the characters can actually be themselves. Yeah, when the characters kind of act like normal human beings as opposed to like slick cool guys he writes those moments really well i was actually thinking on the way over here i'd really love for aaron sorkin to write a drama where people aren't acting like they're being filmed on camera and it's just like a good story yeah because i think he does i think he can do story pretty well um and but the pro here's the and just i'm sorry i'm talking so much but the problem with the pitter patter is it keeps an audience engaged but I think it ages terribly. When you yeah. go back through, it's just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Everyone needs to just shut just up. Just calm the fuck quiet. down, shut calm up. Calm down, shut up. Yeah. Calm down, shut up. Yeah. Um, would you, uh, this is a um, part of the podcast that I'd like to do. Okay. Would you, <laughs> <laughs> do it. It's your thing. We're going to do it. It's your podcast. No, you do whatever um, you want. If you had to create a drinking game for Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, yeah. What would be the times that you would drink during the show? I think this can go for any Aaron Sorkin show. Okay. But anytime a character ends a scene and exits by saying, okay, and walks <laughs> out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, okay. You can, I, you will be. That's so funny. You will be obliterated. Anytime somebody, you watch the West Wing, watch, watch Sports Night, which I've watched all of. People go okay, so that's like and how Riley it just Wish, ends. Yeah, ends like a dialogue. Yeah, just, okay, okay, and it's like it's 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 funny, but it happens a lot, and they're like okay, <laughs> and like somebody usually does something like kind of weird, and they're like okay. <laughs> Bradley Bradley Whitford does it a ton on the show. That's my drinking game. Um, and then what would the drink be that you're drinking? What would be an appropriate drink for somebody to drink while watching uh, Studio Six? A virgin mudslide. <laughs> a virgin mudslide. <laughs> That's the hippest drink you. When could... I was I was just on on vacation, and I I really don't I really don't like to drink, so I saw somebody I love chocolate drinks, so I saw somebody being served a chocolate drink, and I was like, what is that? And uh, my girlfriend said, that's that's a mudslide, and I said, oh my god, that looks great. I'll try it. So I tried the mudslide. It's gross. I hate the taste of liquor. I think Wait, it's, what's in it? What it's like? It's like there's like Bailey's and vodka. I don't know. It's just, ugh, it's just gross. And then there's like chocolate, which is great. So then the next time, the next time I asked for a virgin mudslide, and the guy, who's a Mexican guy, he he takes two steps away and then turns back to me and says, "You know, a virgin mudslide is just." Chocolate and milk. I said, that's fantastic. 
<laughs> that's exactly what I want. That, you, those are the perfect words you just said to me. <laughs> yes, I great. could not be happier right now. Yeah. That's so you just awesome. ordered a chocolate milk. I think I just ordered a chocolate frap like thing or whatever. So if you want to do the drinking game, anytime anybody says, okay, take a sip of a chocolate and milk whipped up really good. <laughs> yeah, either drink chocolate milk or if you want to go nuts, you know, uh, blend some ice together. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, let me look at these and see if there's anything. Craig's got some more notes. Wait, I wanted to say that you said um, before that uh, Aaron Sorkin knows about the Twitter account. Yes. Uh, the guy who does Danny Tripp, his name is Jake Fogelnest, and he has friends who know Aaron Sorkin. They showed him the tweets, and Aaron Sorkin replied, well, I guess they watched the show. Which is such a great... Which is, su- which is, which is pretty cool. And, I mean... <laughs> I'm, I would love to know his thought. I think he's disappointed in Studio 60. I mean, I'd have to imagine he, he I, would have to. Be. I think he was upset with the material that he gave Matthew Perry and Bradley Whitford. Though I do think Matthew Perry and Bradley Whitford are good on the show. I just think the stuff that they have to say and act, <laughs> like yeah. the, overall, the overall show is not very good. But it's the best. It is the best. Do you have any... Um uh, do you have any uh, hopes or storylines that you're thinking of for, uh, or if you if you're willing to let us know about uh, the Twitter account for the next? Well, I will tell you this. Mm. Um, the live from Hollywood, the oral history will be coming out at some point. So a an oral history of Studio 60. Excerpts, because the book is going to come out probably in two years. But Wait, is this a but, real thing? But excerpts from the book, the oral history of Studio 60, will start hitting the internet. Wait, is this a real thing? This is real. So the, wait, wait. So this is, there's a real <laughs> book that's going to be an oral history. Right, and it's going to start... I think when, when it starts online, when we release excerpts online... Oh, my God. It'll start with Chapter 4, which is Matt and Danny. And we will, it'll start <laughs> from when, when, when Matt and Danny come back to the show. You have no idea how excited I am for this. <laughs> and, it, and so just to let all you know, uh, follow the Twitter account, and eventually we are going to start posting excerpts from the oral history... Uh, of Studio Six, and do you think you'll ever get a, uh, a cease and desist from NBS? Well, NBS is N- NBS is is not isn't doing so good on mm-hmm. uh, the ratings because their show Nations mm-hmm. uh, about the United Nations, which right. they which which Jordan really pushed hard, it got canceled because it it, it wasn't resonating. Uh, with the audience didn't want to see what was going on inside the United Nations. It sounds like a good idea, but when it comes down to nations, nobody's so, interested. So they're not doing so hot. So I think that any publicity at this point is good publicity. Right. And Studio 60 is the flagship. Right. You know, everybody wants to be a part of that hip, cool scene. So I don't think they'll have a problem. And any big sketches coming up that you, you can think that you could tell us? Uh, any big sketches? We're, 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 we're tooling with something where... Simon is, uh, we're putting him back in preschool, uh-huh. and he's a black militant preschooler. That sounds like a really good... Um, and he's going to lead all the black children 
because it's going to be an urban preschool, and he's going to get them all, you know, together. I think and that's a pretty strong message for a comedy sketch, and I think that people will like the message it's, and, and laugh. We're 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 putting up a mirror to society on Studio Sixty. We always have, and we always will. <laughs> Uh, well, Seth, thanks so much. And I guess you can check out Matt Alby 60 on Twitter. Yes. And you can see... Uh, all this, And all the Studio 60 uh, Twitter people are, are quite excellent. Amazing. Yeah, check it out. They're all You follow all of them, right? So you can those find... Are the, well, those are the only people that Matt Alby would follow. Exactly. Certainly wouldn't follow the Danny, Hoi Polloi. Danny, Danny Tripp. Danny Tripp 60 is, is, is great. Is your buddy. Yeah. Cal Shanley 60 is also very good. They're all very good. Um, check it out. All right. Well, thanks, Seth. Thank you very much for having me. Clip clop, clip clop. That's him exiting the room. He's gone now. The door closed. It's 1999. Thank you so much for listening to It's That Episode. My guests next week are Nick Pruer and Joe Pickett from the Found Footage Festival. And they'll be over at my apartment to watch an episode of Full House called Our Very First uh, Telethon. It's an insane episode. Uh, there are clips online. It's actually not available on iTunes, but you absolutely do not need to see it to listen to the podcast. We, we're going to have a great time. We're going to be talking about Full House, the whole TGF lineup. We're just going to be having a good old time. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think about the show, so feel free to email me at itsthatepisode at gmail.com or leave a comment or review on uh, iTunes. You can let me know what you think. You can let me know anything you want, your political views. Uh, if you just want to get something off your chest, a secret, it's, it's fine with me, and it's, I'll keep that secret. Once you let me know, it's, it's totally deep in there, and I won't let anybody know. You can Any indiscretion you want to mention, that's totally fine. If, you wanna, if, if it's illegal, if you murdered somebody and you uh, admit that to me, I will have to go to the police. This is not a, uh, you know, a thing where you can just tell me anything and you're just going to get off scot-free. If you've done something illegal, I will prosecute you to the fullest extent. So if you email me, feel free to let me know whatever, but there will be ramifications if you've done something wrong. Um, I'm not a vigilante, but I will make sure that it goes through the proper channels. Um, okay, have a great week. Can't wait to uh, see you or you to hear me next week. Adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.